Hi, so uh, this morning's reading is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18, on page 968 of your Bibles. Since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity that his death, that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by the fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had been made like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become merciful and faithful, merciful, faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Friends, uh, good morning and welcome uh, to our service this morning. If you're visiting, we're glad you have joined us. We're in the season of Advent, season of uh, waiting, preparing uh, for the birth of our Saviour. And so we'll look at some passages over the next couple of weeks that uh, focuses us on Jesus, who he is, what he's come to do, and what he offers us. Let me pray that God would speak to us and encourage us this morning. Lord God, we thank you that you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, to earth to become like one of us, that he would be the saviour of the world, leaving heaven and stepping on the earth. What an amazing act of mercy, grace and condescension, all because you desire to have us in relationship with yourself. Please speak to us, help us to see what a great saving God you are and to love you, to serve you and to trust you this Christmas season and beyond. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> Friends, uh, some of you know I'm a bit of a football fan and there was someone, a former Liverpool football coach, Bill Shankly, who wrote these famous words. He said, some people believe football is a matter of life and death. I'm very disappointed with that attitude, he says. I can assure you it is much, much more important than that. For many people in the world, football is their God. You may have other gods. It may be music. It may be some woman who travels around the world and sings a lot. Has the top 10 songs in, in the world at the moment. What's her name? Oh no, some Swifty girl or something. Uh, but it may be. But for, for football for a lot of people. And they, football fans, they jump up and down. They sing. They dance. They shout. They set off pl- flares. They burn seats. I mean, they cheer on their idols. There's a euphoria that passionate fans feel when they score a goal or more when they win a game. And who can forget the Matildas run in the World Cup, who had the Women's World Cup. And a lot of you weren't interested in the World Cup at the beginning, let me tell you. I was. You caught on, I understand that, you caught on uh, as it, it went on. But then there was that penalty shootout. And I want to show you and remind you of that penalty shootout with Courtney Vine. Have a look in case you've forgotten. Can write the Matildas into history. We get a little bit excited at a goal and a win, and we didn't go all the way, but you know, we did very well. And I want to say, though, in light of all of that and the things that may be your God and people that serve, it may be the beach, it may be a holiday, 
Um, as I said, it may be music, maybe something else. It may be work for you. Christmas reminds us that uh, sometimes we feel like we're in heaven when we've won a game. That uh, heaven is much more than a feeling of ecstasy. And the way to heaven is not through a football victory, but through the sacrifice of a great loving and saving God. We need to get balance in our thinking. We need to get perspective in our thinking. And I think by having a chance to stop at this Christmas season, it helps us to get that perspective. See, only the child born at Christmas can get us to a real heaven, an enduring joy, an enduring, in a sense, euphoria and excitement and ultimate peace with God. Only the Son, Jesus, can defeat death, sin and Satan and guarantee us an eternal place in heaven. I need to remember that. Maybe you need to remember that as well. And the child whose birth we celebrate at Christmas achieved this great victory not on a football field, but on a rugged Roman cross. He gave more than sweat and tears. He gave his life for us. His death, we believe, is the only way of salvation. His death is the only way to eternal life. His death is the only way to heaven. And uh, Hebrews 2 tells us that his death defeats our three great enemies, sin, death, and the devil. And it all starts with Christmas, where Christ shared our humanity. Now, firstly, the child born at Christmas came to deal with our sins. And uh, we hear about the atonement for sins, but just remember the words in Matthew 1.21 as well. She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And friends, we all need saving from our sins, don't we? And if you describe sin, it's rebellion, it's lawlessness, it's choosing to raise your fist at God and say, God, don't tell me how to run my life, stay out of my life, I want to do my own thing. It's a hostile, destructive, inward power that prevents us from being all that God wants us to be. And try as hard as we can, and I've been trying, we always fall short. Sin is falling short, so we know from the Bible it's missing the mark. We never hit the target. And we read in our newspapers and wonder why people can be so evil sometimes, don't we? Husbands kill wives. Far too often. Children are abused by family members. Young men rape girls. Nations war against nations. Mass shootings almost every day in the United States. And we look in our hearts and we grieve not only at those things out there, but even our own failings. We know that sin puts us under God's judgment for the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23. And to meet our need of purification, Christ came as a merciful and faithful high priest, we're told, to offer the sacrifice of himself. He made atonement for the sins of the people. He took on the judgment for the sin of the world upon himself in order to reconcile us to God, to make forgiveness possible. And friends, unless you realize you're a sinner, you won't understand what Christ has done for you. You won't understand the the passion and the gravity of your situation. Professor Ian Harper was a former head of Australia's Fair Pay Commission. And he wasn't a believer, and this is how he describes his encounter with Christ. He said, I wasn't raised a Christian, though I was sent to Sunday school, and I attended a church school. 
I even knew some Bible verses, but I didn't know Jesus Christ. I happily survived the 16 years after leaving school without God intruding into my life. I married and I was caught by surprise when my wife became a Christian. Wives often surprise husbands with that type of thing. I was absolutely furious knowing what organised religion meant and how it could tie you down, he says. Interestingly, the minister of my wife's church was like me, an economist. I was impressed and disturbed. As I engaged in discussion with him, I realised that I had never read the Bible seriously. Now, the picture of Jesus I found was quite different from the one I vaguely carried in my memory. It was altogether more lifelike, less ethereal and more credible. I was again caught by surprise, he says. As I read the Bible, he said, I felt my resistance waning and I woke up to the shocking truth. My faith in the worldly philosophy of economics had become my religion. You see, football can become your religion. Music can become your religion. Economics can become your religion. On Christmas Day, 1989, I knelt before God and asked him to forgive me. I had a sense of joy that my mind could finally affirm as true what my heart for some time had been willing to accept. He came to save us from our sins. And secondly, Christ defeated the power of death. Friends, 25 years ago or so, I spoke at the funeral of a 33-year-old man from my former church at Springwood Baptist. It was just after I started at Nowhere, I received a call so that he had been crushed to death when a truck in the Blue Mountains had veered on the wrong side of the road and I think some of its load had tipped over and fell on his car, simply crushed him to death. He left behind a wife and a two-year-old boy. I had done a dedication for the, the boy uh, previously and uh, they didn't have a new pastor and his wife said, can I get Ange, can you please do the service for us? I organised someone else to do the service, but I spoke at that service. I told him, you really need someone local pastorally to, to follow up in the midst of your grief, but I, I'm really happy to come and speak the word. And so I'm sure some of the people were asking, why Mark, why now? So we can say we can understand the death of a 90-year-old, but why Mark, why now? 33, a wife, a two-year-old. So much to live for, so much to enjoy. I didn't have an answer to the question, why Mark, why now? And friends, there's the general answer, of course. We live in a world where no one will escape death. And we've been experiencing that. Some of you are experiencing that now with your family members. In the last month or so, six weeks, we, uh, we lost five people and we've been involved in five funerals. Where we've all rebelled against God and we all will suffer death at one time. The Bible says all are destined to die and face judgments. No guarantee that we'll make it to an old age. As I say to my father, who's turned 90 and doesn't want to think about dying because he doesn't plan to die. You don't know how long you have. The young ones who die suddenly. Young teenagers who die in a car crash because someone drives far too fast. But why, Mark, why now? Don't know why the Lord took him at that point. 
But I reminded them that it was a Christian funeral. The Bible says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be ignorant about those who have fallen asleep or to grieve like the rest of men who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and rose again. Friends, death is all around us. The famous die, the infamous die, the old die, the young die, the rich die, the poor die. And some of us have really tough times as we head towards Christmas because we all celebrate the first Christmas without a loved one. It is a tough time. It is a difficult time. But we grieve with hope because of the saving work of Jesus, the great saviour, the one who left heaven and stepped onto this planet. Since children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Death, we know, is the direct result and inevitable fruit of sin, and people are haunted by its constant threat. And people, in a sense, are held in slavery by their fear of death. Often I have conversations with non-Christians, and when death comes up, you ever had this experience? When you start, people start talking about death or someone's died, they say, don't talk about death. I don't like to think about it as if it's going to, uh, it's like a superstition, it's like, you might curse me, it might happen to me if you just mention the word death, right? But we are Christians, we don't fear discussing death and life and death, because we know we live in light of eternity. We know this is a short period of time on this earth. People are felt held in fear or in slavery by their fear of death. But Jesus experienced our death so we could be set free. I don't know whether the, the Hebrews, maybe they were experiencing fear as well, and he writes this to them. Maybe Christians, and just like us, going, oh man, I'm, I don't want to die. Maybe you're feeling like, oh, I don't want to go through that. I don't know what will happen. Can I just keep living it? And so you put it out of your mind. Maybe you're like that as well. Maybe the, the Christians that... Uh, the author of the Hebrews was writing to her a bit like that. Maybe persecution was imminent and they're frightened of being executed. He says, listen, Jesus made a difference. Trust him. Jesus said in his, in his own words, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. So the unbelieving world has no assurance. We do have the assurance that if we are with Jesus, we live forever. And friends, I read a story a few years ago and it shook me in a sense of the power of the gospel to give us hope in the midst of immense tragedy. It's the story is recorded in a book called Forgiven by a woman called Terry Roberts. And she writes this, in October 2006, 32-year-old son Charlie Roberts walked into an Amish school in Lancaster County and shot dead 10 young girls, or shot 10 young girls, killing five of them before killing himself. We all remember that story. It's a terrible story. But what I didn't know was what happened after that. Charlie was married and the father of three young children himself. Part of the local community. Terry Roberts, the mother of the killer, said to her husband, I'm hearing sirens and helicopters everywhere. I need to go and find out what's going on. So then her phone rang. It was her husband said, you need to get the Charlies right away. She thought something had happened to Charlie. It had happened to Charlie. When she turned up, she found out her Charlie had killed these kids. Who knows why? 
She thought, it just can't be. Like, it can't be like Charlie, the father of three kids, the husband of his wife. What is going on here? She wanted to move away from the community. But listen to what the Amish did. The Amish came to her the night of the shooting to say they wanted her to stay. Don't, don't leave. It's the people who've just lost their kids who embrace her with love. Said some of the victims, listen to this, some of the victims' families attended her son's funeral. In fact, men and women in their distinctive Amish clothing lined up in two rows to protect the family from the media as they walked to the funeral. The Amish said, no, 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 keep the media away. We've lost people and someone has committed a terrible crime, but we stand with his parents. He said, there are no, not words to describe how that made us feel that day, said Roberts. For the mother and father who had just lost not just one but two daughters at the hand of our son to come up and be the first ones to greet us, is there anything in this life that we should not forgive? So where did the, let me ask you, where did the Amish get such faith, love and courage? They believe that death is not the end. Christ by his death has defeated death. Their girls, despite the tragedy, were now in the presence of Jesus. Jesus has come to take away the fear of death even in such terrible tragedy. And uh, Donald Crahill, who spoke on behalf of the Amish because they won't appear on camera, said this, I find what Terry does with that little girl, she, she would go and now look after one of the girls that was injured regularly. The mother now serves the child that her own son had shot. It takes me to tears every time I think about it, he says. You have this mother who raised a son who did this horrific damage to this young woman and the mother has the courage and spiritual fortitude to come back and care for this young woman and the parents of the young woman welcome her into their home. It's a powerful, powerful story. Friends, the only way they can hold on to love and forgiveness and hope is because of the finished work of Jesus. We're going to sing about that in a moment. It's all because of that communion, the cross, that we're going to celebrate today. And finally, Christ destroyed the devil. He said, by his death he might destroy him, holds the power of death, that is the devil. In what sense does the devil hold the power of death? Well, the devil wields the power of death only in so much as he induces us to sin and come under sin's penalty. But guess what? Jesus has made atonement for the sins. Satan has nothing on us anymore, as we said last week. No condemnation, no separation from God's love. He has nothing on us now. He is rendered impotent. His power is now destroyed. The devil is defeated, but still active. And it's a little bit like this. You think, well, Satan says to be everywhere. What do you mean he's defeated? He keeps tempting me and he keeps causing damage in the world. Yes, the Bible says he's still allowed to do a certain number of things. Christian writer Raymond Brown, uh, I love this story. He worked as a postman in his early 20s. I love it because I've experienced it, sort of. One day he had to deliver a letter to a house he'd never visited before. I don't know how these postmen cope. Up and down, and there's different animals running at you, and people running at you, and uh, chasing you off their houses, on their, down their streets. 
But one day, he's about to deliver the mail, he opened the garden gate to find himself confronted by the largest, most vicious dog he had ever seen. I was bitten once by a dog. Right here, I remember. <laughs> and his dog, he said, it barked furiously, and imagine he's got the letter, and it jumps, leaps towards him. He said, I stood there helpless, and terrified until my immense relief, I saw that this massive angry dog was chained to a huge stake set in concrete. So as it jumped, it stopped. It was a long chain, but not far enough to get him. He delivered his letter and he ran, as you would. He said the incident, he's now a Bible teacher and a scholar, the incident became like a parable to him. So whenever he had to visit that house in the course of his work, he took little notice of the aggressive dog. He always kept his eye on the strong stake. Keep your eye on the strong stake. He said at the cross, the enemy of our souls, the devil, was made impotent, disempowered, limited, and chained down by the child born at Christmas. When he has bitten us, it is usually because we have come far too close to him. Stay away from him. Focus on the word of truth. Be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't get close to him. Don't listen to his temptations. Don't do what he says. And when you're tempted... Look at the strong stake in the ground, the cross of Jesus, where he has been defeated. You have forgiveness. You have peace with God. You have an eternity secured. In one of Max Lucado's books, uh, called It's Not About Me, he tells a story, and it goes like this. Does God love you? He asked this question. He says, behold the cross and behold your answer. Does God love you? Behold the cross and behold your answer. God the Son died for you. Who could have imagined such a gift? So at the time Martin Luther was having his Bible printed in Germany, a printer's daughter encountered God's love. No one had ever told her about Jesus. Toward God, she felt no emotion but fear. One day she gathered the pieces of fallen scripture from the floor. On one paper she found the words, for God so loved the world that he gave. That's all. That's all that was on it. The rest of the verse had not yet been printed. Still what she saw was enough to move her. The thought that God would give anything moved her from fear to joy. Her mother noticed the change of attitude. And said, what's going on? You seem to be a different girl. The daughter produced the crumpled piece of paper that she kept in her pocket. She said, look at this, mum. It says, for God so loved that he gave. And her mother said, what did he give? I don't know what he gave. But if he loved us well enough to give us anything, we should not be afraid of him. And we do know what he gave his own son, to die on a cross for us. And that son was raised from the dead on the third day, ascended on high, 
at the right-hand side of the Father, reigning over all as Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And he gave us forgiveness. He gave us peace with God. He gave us a place in heaven. He gave us the power of the Holy Spirit. He gave us Christian community. Do you want me to keep going on and remind you what he gave us? I don't know what he gave us, Mum. But if God is willing to give us anything, that's enough. God gave us his son, born at Christmas to be the saviour. Can I urge you to spend time worshipping him and hearing from him this Christmas season? Amen.